the blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary, the blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never, ever lose its power. For it reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley. The blood that gives me strength from day to day, it shall never, ever lose its power. Welcome to part two of this special D'Souza Declares podcast, where we discuss the seven words that Jesus declared from the cross. So I pray that the first one was a blessing to you. If you happen to listen to this one first, then I definitely encourage you that when you're done, that you just simply click on the part one that should be right under this. So please share these videos. I mean, share these podcasts and let's be an encouragement to the body of Christ. Let us spread this like wildfire, especially as we go through this season of the church buildings being closed, but realizing that even though the church is closed, the cross is always open. So without further ado, for the sake of time and trying to keep this under 15 minutes, let us continue. I did words one through three in the first one, which was father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Today, I tell you, you shall surely be with me in paradise and woman, behold thy son and son, behold thy mother. So now we shall talk about my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I thirst, it is finished. And father into your hands, I commit my spirit. So let us start with my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? which is the fourth word, which is found in Matthew 27, verse 45 through 46. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And this devotional is called the freedom to ask why. Since Jesus used the first few moments of his crucifixion to put himself aside and focus on the needs of others, he has every right as fully God to take the next moment for himself and to embrace his feelings of abandonment. Even the limitless son of God has reached his limit of being stretched as far as he possibly could. The glory isn't always glamorous and usually comes with thorns before triumph. Jesus has not cried for himself all day long since the evening before when he agonized in the Garden of Gethsemane, seeking the Father for if there was any other way to redeem us from our sins. It was not until Judas turned him in, Peter denied him, and the Jews rejected him that he began to feel like he lost his connection with the Father and expressed his feelings of isolation. Even though we as humans spend nine months in darkness, babies never cry until they come out of the womb. Children normally don't have their first experience of separation anxiety until the first day of preschool when they have to knowingly spend time away from their parents. And even as we get older, we still endure a hard season of separation anxiety when loved ones pass away, when we have to move or relocate, when we lose a job or have to move to a different school, or when people walk away from us and reject us, and when things are no longer the way they used to be because we have been pushed out of the womb of our comfort zone. That's why I thank the Lord and find solace in this passage because Christ showed us if he being part of the Godhead endured moments of distress, then it means that it is more than okay for us when we go through trials to cry out and ask God, why did he allow this stuff to happen to us? 
This shows that contrary to what some may have told you, asking God the question why does not mean you gave up on him. Expressing your sorrow and frustrations to the Lord does not make you sinful or faithless. The fact that you are still calling on the name of the Lord and asking him why, in spite of everything you're going through, shows just how strong your faith really is. For even though Jesus began to ask why, he never had to ask who. He never had to ask who. He never lost sight that he could always go to the Lord and that he could always go to his father. And that even if he didn't get the answers he wanted, he would always get the comfort that he needed. And now the fifth word, it is I thirst, which is found in John 19, verse 28 through 29. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. And this devotional is called a divine drink. A dehydrated Jesus, full of fatigue and feelings of being forgotten, has been sweet, sweating and bleeding out all day long since his prayer the night before in the Garden of Gethsemane. With each passing hour, the immense suffering carries more and more pressure that would have given a regular human a stroke or heart attack by now. As I stated before, Jesus took care of the needs of everyone else first with his, with his few utterances, so now he needs time to pray himself through these, the last part of this crucifixion. He would now express that he is thirsty, to which the Roman soldiers equate to the wine vinegar that was meant to numb some of the pain. When you read the four gospel writers' perspective on the crucifixion, you will see that Jesus refused this bitter tasting drink, but then he finally receives it by the time we get to verses 28 and 29. This is probably the same cup he saw in his prayer when he asked God to take it away, but he realized that this bitter cup was a divine drink. The kingdom of God is usually reversed and upside down to the way we see royalty in the natural, replacing palaces with mangers, stallions with donkeys, and crowns of gold with crowns of thorns. Instead of refreshing water or a sweet drink, Jesus is offered wine vinegar absorbed into a dirty and dusty sponge. He finally drank the cup that would qualify him and us for better. He was able to receive it because his thirst was deeper than the natural. He knew that he, what he longed for and yearned for, this world could not give him. He longed for healing, deliverance, and fellowship with his father and with you and I. Jesus demonstrated that his divinity is best revealed in desolation and that we can feel just as close to him in the valley as we do in the mountain. The cup and cross that the Lord calls you to will not be the most savory or comfortable. But when you think about the glory, influence, and healing that the Lord shall bring to many through you, partaking of your purpose shall surely bring peace and perseverance in the midst of your pain. I am not satisfied with fame, fortune, and everyone knowing my name. For the only thing that will quench my thirst and my desires is for the love of Jesus to heal the hearts of the hopeless. Only then will I know my purpose is being fulfilled. The sixth word, it is finished. John 19 verse 30. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. 
This is called victory in the valley. Even though Jesus was on the hill, he was in the deepest valley ever, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. The truth of the matter is that when God has called you to a high place, it will be lonely, dark, and painful. Being fully aligned with God's plan for your life will not always sit well with your friends, family, and many more who you hoped to have favor and relationship with. Your light irritates their darkness and unwillingness to change. So not so do not be dismayed when you face rejection and opposition on any and every level. You can worship in the wilderness because your love for God and his love for you is not limited by your natural, emotional, or financial location. You are victorious for the simple fact that Jesus has gone before you in suffering and shame and gives you the grace to finish everything you are called to even in the valley. The Bible declares in Psalms 23 that while we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will not be afraid of any evil because the Lord's rod and staff come for us. The cross is a cane and a crutch that we can lean on as we walk through various stages of our ever developing testimony. When the enemy tries to come against us, we can strike him and wave him and his minions away with blood with a blood stained staff that we have been given when Jesus blood painted the cross with love, glory and victory. The same way Moses's rod was stretched out over the Red Sea to swallow the armies of the Pharaoh, so shall the cross cause the Red Sea of blood to wash our iniquities, drown our demons, and nurture the seed of salvation for all who will receive the gospel from how we live out our lives. And last but certainly not least, the seventh word, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Luke 23, verse 44 through 47. Now it was about the sixth hour and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried without a, with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. So when the centurion saw what happened, he glorified God saying, certainly, this was a righteous man. And the conclusion of this seven last words podcast is called a yielded. Yes, a yielded. Yes. The season of a half hearted surrender is officially over. There is a great reward both in heaven and on earth for those who find themselves wholeheartedly yielded to God's plan and purpose for their lives. Your ministry is bigger than you. Even if you have to get there crawling and crying, you will not only survive, but thrive and ascend into the inner courts of God's glory as you become more assimilated with him with each passing day. Jesus has the ultimate example of fully surrendering everything over to his father. He stated long before the cross that no man could take his life, that he had to choose to lay it down. For that is how powerful he is being God in the flesh. In a similar manner, you can go through diverse trials and tribulations and still not fully be surrendered to the plan of the Lord. No one can force a surrender on you. You have to choose to lay down your own desires, lay down your mindsets and lay down everything you held dear that you know is hindering you from breaking out of the chrysalis and becoming the butterfly of blessing and breakthrough that you were always meant to be. 
Jesus knew the hardest part of his ministry was over. This was his last act as a lamb before becoming a lion that were war against eternal death and condemnation. And he would spend the next phase of eternity sitting alongside his father and praying for us until he comes back for us one of these good old days. I know what you are facing is impossible by yourself, but when you finally make peace with your process, then and only then will the power of God plow through everything that has preyed on you and everyone connected to you. The same spirit that he breathed out is available for you to inhale. Give the Lord another yes today and let the oxygen of heaven be your portion forevermore. And Father, I pray that you bless these words and bless every hearer. I humbly pray that this word shall go to so many houses and so many places and across the world in the name of Jesus. I thank you that this word in this particular podcast and message will spread like wildfire. And I thank you for the favor that you have placed on this message. If I just thank you for everybody that will listen. I pray for blessing. I pray for breakthrough. I pray for deliverance. And I pray for miracle signs and wonders to follow those that will hear this word. And I give you praise. I give you glory. And I give you honor for your blood and for your love. Thank you for dying on the cross. And thank you for being raised on the dead. And thank you for giving us the power to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to heal broken hearts, and to let people know that they don't have to live like how they're living. There is better. There is hope. There is freedom. There is power. There is joy. There is peace. And we give you glory for your love. We give you glory for your spirit. We give you glory for your comfort. Even in times like these, I pray that the blood of Jesus eradicates premature death. I even speak that there shall be resurrections in the name of Jesus. May our prayers reach heaven. May we not be afraid, Father, in this season dealing with this coronavirus. I pray for a bold intercessor. I pray for bold prayer warriors that are going to be bold in your presence and say, Father, I want to see you raise the dead. Father, I want to see you raise the dead. I want to see you heal the sick. I want you to. I want to see you raise the dead and that when they come back, all the symptoms of whatever they had, cancer, coronavirus, diabetes, stroke, heart attack is gone and evaporated in the name of Jesus. Raise up your church and raise up your people to pray bold prayers, just like your son prayed bold prayers on this cross. So Father, let us be bold in this season with our love and relationship in you. And God, we give you praise, we give you glory, and we give you honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in. I humbly pray that this blessed you and I pray that you will share this tag people on your social media, send it in a text message, you know, copy the link and, you know, let's just get this word of God across the nation. Let's get it across the world because people need these words and I'm proud and excited everybody that's doing anything related to Holy Week, Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday throughout your very social media outlets and I pray that the Lord will bless whatever you put your hands to in this season. Until next time, this is Joshua D'Souza of the D'Souza Declares Devotionals and the D'Souza Declares Podcast. And God bless you all. And I pray that you have a blessed Holy Week in Jesus name.